to Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. One of the most recognizable sounds in sports is that of a fastball hitting a catcher's mitt. Today's guest had nearly three decades of helping produce that pop. Michael McHenry played baseball and basketball growing up, but after peaking at 5'9", his father opted to push him toward the former. The Knoxville, Tennessee native found a home as a catcher for the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders in 2004. My college coach made me every single day as a freshman, whenever I wasn't playing or when I was, I had to be by him, the pitching coach or the hitting coach, all the way at the front of the dugout. I never wasn't there. If you go look at almost every picture, besides maybe going to the middle to get my mind right if something happened or if I need to process something, I would always migrate right back to the front of that dugout and be next to some coach because the opportunity to learn and grow and continue to be that extension of the coaching staff and gain the trust from them was always important because if I could build that trust, I could bridge the gap to the actual pitching staff or the players around me. So I think my entire career, if I look back at it, I was probably more of a coach than I was a player because I was always trying to help my teammates almost to my default, I found out in the long run but I wouldn't change it for the world because I was a team first guy. I always want to be a team first guy. And maybe I could have been a little more selfish and gotten a little bit more time. But the reality of it is, is like, I think that's the way it should be. And I think it makes the game way better. And some of my favorite people on the entire planet that I played with were team first guys. He spent three seasons in Murfreesboro before entering his name in the 2006 MLB draft. When I went there, I, I planned on leaving my junior year. I wanted to get drafted. I wanted to play pro ball. Um, not that I didn't want to finish school, but it was it was the fact that I was a kid that, you know, if I put my mind to something, I was going to accomplish it, whether I had to run through walls, whatever have you. It was just my personality. So kind of put that out in front, and then I go out and hit 169 my freshman year and really struggle. It was the first time I really failed. Um, it was blessing in disguise in the long run. Ended up going to summer ball, meeting a couple of guys, especially the coach there. And he took me under his wing and he fixed a flaw in my swing that I never knew I had. And, you know, the next year I was all conference. Then the next year All-American got drafted. So, you know, sometimes we we try to be perfect. We try to do all these things, especially in today's society with social media. We were trying to paint this image. But the reality of it is, like, failing is really the greatest opportunity to leap forward. And it's exactly what happened my freshman year. He never could have imagined the way the next decade would go. In the seventh round of the 2006 MLB draft, McHenry was selected by the Colorado Rockies. You know, they were very early on in the process, and then they went cold. I mean, ice cold. Um, I thought it was going to be a Marlin, a Ranger, a Twin, anything but the Rockies. And I actually was very upset when they didn't take me when I, when I thought they would. When some of these teams, I thought it was going to be a third or fourth round pick by projection. So I went out and started shooting basketball, just to clear my mind, something I always did. And then the Rockies drafted me. I think it was 198th overall, and I was stoked. But I was kind of mind-boggled a little because the night before, I was literally filling out paperwork for three or four other teams. So you just never know. You know, you, you don't know who you impress. You don't know why. But that opportunity came, and, man, did it ever change my life. McHenry entered his initial season of minor league ball in a less-than-auspicious manner. He was sent to short season single A's Tri-City Dust Devils, and his first experience with the road to the majors began. Playing college summer ball kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. But, you know, you had host families there, so I got my host family. They were great. I always was very fortunate to have good host families. 
but everything else was kind of like, man, this is just different. Like peanut butter jelly every day, which is fine. But it was very, very different. I did do some things, I guess, outside the box. Right out of the gate, I bought my own bats. I made sure I had all the necessities. You know, some guys would try to like kind of, you know, play it cheap. I thought, man, this is my career. I got I to make sure to do this right. And I was, I was advised by a very uh, awesome dude in my life, Charles Patron. He was like, hey, don't ever forget. You're the brand. You're the business. And treat it like that. And I did my entire career. So that way, you know, whether it was nutrition, whether it was, you know, I ended up renting a car the entire year, drove four or five guys that field home and back every day. It was an expense. It was an expense I def definitely wish I didn't have. But that comfort gave me a chance to kind of be ahead of the game. He worked his way up through the ranks over the next six seasons, spending single-season spurts in advanced A and double A before landing in triple A. In 2010, McHenry was called to play with the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, one step below cracking through the surface. Through 347 at-bats, McHenry collected 92 hits, including 23 doubles and 10 home runs. He added 49 RBIs to the repertoire, and seemed to be just steps away from donning a Rockies jersey. Then, on March 29, 2011, the Rockies traded him to the Boston Red Sox for relief pitcher Daniel Turpin. It's kind of a wild thing. We were in Colorado Springs, so a lot of times we'd play and we'd get to watch the game. Somebody goes down, we're like, hey, you're getting cold up, blah, blah, blah. Like, and the brain starts going, you know, like, okay, I just got his. That's the first go around, and then that fades. Then I got traded. The communication was terrible on that. I got told by my wife and a friend before I did the actual organization. They just took me out of the game and put me in the bullpen. So like, those are the emotional things that like, I think play with your psyche so much because you're like, oh, I've been here my entire career. So then I go in and it was one of the coolest moments is the farm director got emotional. He didn't want to trade me, but they wanted to give me an opportunity. So go to Boston, Boston, I'm there for two days in spring training. I get, I get the call up. The move jolted his system, and his sense of self-worth took another hit when, two weeks later, he was on the move again, this time to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Then I get traded to the Pirates. That was another wild moment where I'm grocery shopping. My wife just left. I ended up getting the call, and I took all my groceries, and I put them back on the shelves, packed up, left the next day, and was ended up being in the lineup. We ended up winning that game and heading to Houston. So... It's a whirlwind and, you know, any advice I could say is just pre pretend like you know nothing, act like you know everything. That day, McHenry got his shot. The Pirates brought him up for a game against the Houston Astros at Minute Maid Park. He won 0 for 3 in his MLB debut, but two days later registered his first major league hit, a single off Houston's J.A. Happ. It was incredible and it was a former teammate that almost caught it and cut Barnes. He jumped and I was like, weigh him down, weigh him down, weigh him down. And sure enough, it just went like beep right over his glove. So yeah, I think every single year, that first hit, getting it out of the way is like a huge sigh of relief. Because it's, it's weird. Like I've started a season where I start out rocket hot. And I've started a season where I just can't hear, hit anything. And it's a huge difference. I mean, it really is. Like just the, that jump start is just, a game changer, in my opinion. Less than a month later, he was a big league home run hitter. During a game against the Chicago Cubs, McHenry went one for four, but his solo hit became a two-out home run that exited PNC Park. That was 
one of the greatest memories I'll ever have because we took the lead. It put us in first place. We had 30,000 people at the stadium and they went bonkers. And I got a curtain call, you know, like, I, I don't know if I could have ever dreamed that up or put that kind of like puzzle together, but man, God was very creative in that. And I can't believe it happened because, you know, I literally got the curtain and I was like, Hey, I don't know why I'm doing this, but this is awesome. So special moment. I'll never forget it. Um, the call by Greg Brown will give you chills. So really, really, uh, special first home run, you know, you could have easily done it where it didn't matter. I was fortunate enough to do it where it mattered and it'll be unforgettable. McHenry began to build his brand as a major league catcher on the dirt at PNC Park, watching 2011, 2012, and 2013 fly by. He became a permanent fixture behind home plate in Pittsburgh, even gaining a nickname in the process. Man, I'm still humbled by it. So Greg Brown and, and Bob Walk, that's who's the play-by-play -play and color analyst in Pittsburgh, uh, deemed me the fort because they said nothing got by me. And obviously the Fort McHenry Star Spangled Banner was written there. So, you know, it held up, you know, through the bombings overnight. And they said I kept holding up the fort and it kind of stuck. And the fact it followed me around is kind of the cooler part to me. And then if you go to my Wikipedia page, someone told me and I had to go look at it. It's like it says nickname the fort. I'm like, that's just cool. Like It could have been anything else, you know, like could have been something that wasn't cool, but me, it's cool to tell people I'm the fort, you know, like, and that's how they, you know, I'm walking down the street in Pittsburgh. Like most of the time, if they, anybody says anything to me, they're like, fort. So it's a, uh, it's a really cool thing. It's so humbling. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'll be forever appreciative for it. He began to embody a presence that his nickname exemplified, and it was chaos that centered him. If the world fell apart, and I went and played today, I would probably have success. If it was sunshine and rainbows, I'd probably strike out three times as a player. Like, I was better in distress. I was better angry. Not everybody's like that. Like, I, I fed off of, you know, negativity, protecting my, uh, my other guys. Like, all those things ever since I was a kid was always a benefit for me. Not for most, right? Other people want to, you know, get their chi and slow down. It's like, no, no, I want the chaos. Like, throw, like, a grenade over here and a grenade over here and then throw the pitch and I'll be fine. Because it made me focus more. I think just with my ADD and all that stuff, that's just who I was. So it's one thing to make it to the major leagues and then getting a year of service is, is special. And then once you get to arbitration, you're like, man, like, I've done this for over three years. And then, you know, you, you just have these, like, milestones that you hit. And you're like, wow, like, 25,000 guys have played the major leagues, like 10,000 have done this, like 5,000 have done this, only a thousand have done this. And you're just like, I'm getting closer and closer to this like level that is really special. So I never, I, I tried never to take it for granted because, you know, it's really something you, you can't really describe. I mean, you're, you're a specialist in your field. If you think about it, like I'm one of the best in the, in the world. 2012 and 2013 played their seasons out. McHenry, rehabbing a meniscus reconstruction surgery in 2013, was a casualty of roster jostling. He was bumped out from behind the plate and forced to come to terms with what seemed to be a backup position for an indefinite time frame. He was still on the roster, but watched games from the bullpen. So early on, 
it was like the weight of the world was on my shoulders because I didn't understand what a backup was. I didn't understand what a bench player was. But as I grew up and I, I embraced that role, and I really embraced that role after the 13th season, I got hurt and I, and I gave up on the idea of being a starter in my mind. I said, I'm going to be the best backup in Major League Baseball. And I believe, I, I really think in 14, I was really close. So that, that goal was, was, in my opinion, achieved because I, I would get my hopes up and I would get the opportunity to come into spring training as a guy that could compete to play every day. But it, it felt like it was always kind of yanked away from me. So psych, psychologically, I just said, forget it. If I can do this really well as a backup, when I get that chance, I'll take advantage of it because it's so much easier to play every day. You know, you don't get kind of thrown to the wolves every three to five days. It's like, go get them. You know, if you're playing every day, you're kind of in a rhythm, you have a good routine, all that stuff. So I changed that mentality and it really helped me kind of do some, I guess, better things in the game. I didn't worry about my hitting. Hitting got better. I ended up playing hurt in 15 all year, but even that year I won. I think my winning percentage was off the charts in 14, 14 and 15, because that's all I focused on. How can I make sure that we win today? On December 2nd, 2013, McHenry was designated for assignment and subsequently released from the Pirates organization into free agency. When the new year turned, he signed a minor league deal with the Rockies to rejoin the organization that had first given him a chance nearly a decade ago. I felt so kicked to the curb in the sense of kind of started out as giving me a pre-arbitration deal to disappearing to I didn't end up even talking to the GM when they actually designated me on the last day. I just said no. Like I was I was going on vacation with my wife and they waited till one minute before the deadline to designate. So it gave me no opportunity to do anything before December first. So it was one of those things like, man, this really is a cutthroat business. And I think it opened my eyes to like, hey, this is as much as it's my dream, there's a ton of businesses that maybe I never saw in the minor leagues because I was chasing so much. Now that I'm actually in the major leagues, kind of like, okay, well, why would I get designated again? So you kind of walk through different things. Like I knew a couple different times, like Colorado when I got hurt, I played hurt all year. I was hurt in spring training and I played through July. Uh, I, I had an incredible teammate, Justin Morneau, kind of tell me, he's like, you're done. Like, save your career, you're done. Walk in the office, have surgery that week. And of course, you think, man, I really sacrificed for the team. You know, we, we had a winning record when I caught. You play all this stuff in your mind. Well, because of that moment, I knew Jeff Bradage, who I was a friend with, is our GM, was going to designate me. He was the first person he called. And I respect that. But the reason why he wanted to designate me, I didn't agree with. So we kind of talked through it. And he actually, you know, ended up telling me exactly why he was designating me. We had a great conversation. And I told him, I said, please, for everybody you ever talk to, just tell them the truth. Like, you don't have to be businessy all the time. Show the players you care. And I guarantee you'll get a diff different type of animal coming your way. A now 29-year-old McHenry went back across the country to Colorado Springs for the 2014 season. Going from the Allegheny Mountains to the Rockies posed a problem for McHenry, who had to reacclimate to the altitude. You know, when I when I went out there, I, I made sure to drink a ton of water, have my electrolytes. I always ate a little bit more going in and going out, so I knew those things. But I didn't realize how bad it would like keep me up. 
I really had a hard time sleeping. So, you know, if I could, I'd try to nap. But um, as a visiting player, it's really hard. As a home player, the moving pieces all the time, playing a full year there, would get to you. But I kind of tricked my mind into saying, well, I should be better off. People come out here and train for the Olympics. Like, this should help me. So I kind of played that out a little bit more. And when I went on the road, I actually started working out um, really hard the days, whether I was playing or not, every every road game I'd work out before. So I felt like I had more energy there. So it calmed me down. And I ended up having a really good year on the road. And that's always the kicker playing in Colorado. You know, oh, he hits well at home, but he didn't hit well on the road. He pitched well at away, but didn't pitch well at home. So I tried to find that balance and um, ended up doing a pretty good job. I felt like with that balance. An unforeseen factor of playing at such high altitudes was the at times erratic ball movement aimed at him. What reached his glove wasn't always the intended pitch, and McHenry found that adjusting to pitcher outputs was equally as important as defying altitude sickness himself. Whatever I could tell them to positively move them forward is the only thing that mattered, and then I'd overemphasize maybe something they needed to do with the pitch. Because, yeah, like, there's some days the sinker would not sink, it would cut just because of the altitude and the way the wind was. But I would play the ball instead of playing the pitch. So I would call the sinker and I'd play it like a cutter. I would never even tell most guys, they've never noticed, as long as they were having success, they could care less. So I just learned to kind of adapt for them. And if they wanted to know, I'd tell them. If not, I'd never tell them. and just keep moving forward. His role became part veteran leader, part backstop, and part psychologist. Mountain visits became his way of communicating, especially with pitching prospects. But not every pitcher was equally as receptive. Uh, it depends on the guy. You know, there's some guys that are so serious. You got to go out with like a legit conversation about the game. There's other guys that are completely like not, and you got to have some fun with them. And then there's in between. You got to kind of figure out where you're going to go. Like there's some guys that come out of that bullpen that may be a little bit psychopath oriented. And you got to deal with that. So, like, you kind of play into it. Like, hey, I just want you to go out there and, you know, I want you to eat his face off right now. Just whatever you got to do, just eat his face off. And they'll play into that. You have fun with it. And other times, like, hey, man, like, to get this guy out, like, steak dinner afterwards, like, whatever. And then sometimes you make fun of the umpire. You make somebody, like, there's one guy that I would make, like, I can't remember who it was, his dad or somebody. I would find somebody that looked like somebody he knew in the stands. I'd be, hey, look over there. They look like Super Mario or what? And just have fun with them. So, like, you know, you just play the game within their head because it, most of the time they know what to do. They, they've been overly prepared. So it's how can you, you know, calm their nerves? How can you get them fired up? How can you bring up their morale? Whatever have you. You just kind of play that personality depending on the day. McHenry hit 313 through 83 at-bats, but got stuck as the team's third best catcher. After accumulating the wear and tear of professional catching for so long, McHenry was ready physically and emotionally for a break. In December 2015, he signed a minor league deal with the Texas Rangers AAA affiliate Round Rock Express to help take the mental and physical loads off. I was safe by signing with Colorado. I took a minor league deal, turned down three big league offers to do that because I knew that was better for my mentality and for my well-being and possibly for my career. Luckily, it worked out for my career. And then Texas, I had Jeff Bannister, and I knew the strength coach, and there was a sense of comfort there. So, like, once again, I turned down way more money, way more maybe even guarantee 
than to go this route. And I, I think maybe that was the only mistake signing wise. Well, actually, I made two mistakes in my career with teams. That was one of them. And there was another one down the line from that same year. But they tried their best to protect me, but I ended up, you know, starting a little bit fast. And I had some gastric problems and tearing my lower abdomen. I made the team the day I made the team. I grimaced and fell down, throwing a guy out at second base. And I kind of got caught in limbo, literally in limbo. Like I was not on a roster anywhere because I was going to be put on the major league roster that day. If I made it through the day, I didn't make it through and I got caught in limbo. So I actually drove when I, when I was actually healed, I stayed back in spring training. I drove to round rock. Nobody told me to, nobody said anything. Just nobody like was giving me anything. And I was like, I need to go somewhere. So I just drove, I left. They were like, hey, we're, we're going to tell you, um, you can head to Round Rock tomorrow. I was like, I just pulled into my my Airbnb. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah. Like, trainer said I was good. I thought I was good. I just bounced. Like, you, you knew you were going to go to Round Rock? I was like, yeah. Like, there's no need for me to go to Texas. Like, you guys are doing great. And kind of started that journey. A month later, I ended up opting out. But, yeah, it was just it, – it gets crazy as you get older. You know, as you get older in your career, you kind of get put in between – the MLBPA, minor league baseball, and you're just in this realm that you don't really understand. 2016 proved difficult for McHenry. He was 31 years old and still fighting for a spot on a minor league roster. He had a taste of the bigs, but got caught in the purgatory between AAA and the show. Um, I ended up playing on five different teams that year, um, but it was more or less a great opportunity to learn new things. Every, every team I went to was, was a little bit different. They maybe ran spring training a, a tick different than the team I was on previous. Like, you know, when I was in Tampa Bay, they tried the sleep testing and we ended up starting at nine o'clock. It threw me off completely because, you know, I was on year 14, I believe, or 13 at the time. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I get here at like 536. That's just my thing. So I was always really there way too early and by myself, but I had to stay in a rhythm. So I think more than anything, looking back, it was it was a blessing and an opportunity to really learn and give me a catapult to where I am today. But during the time, it, it's it's one of those things you can be a victim to it and and kind of be like, oh, poor pitiful me, or you can look at it as, okay, I get another chance, another opportunity to go out and do what I love. Let's enjoy the day. Let's serve the guys around me. Let's love every second of this and make sure every chance I can sign a ball, take a picture, whatever have you with the fans around me because. You know, as, as as my career kind of unfolded, you know, it was about getting the big leagues, get to the big leagues. You know, you hit the pinnacle and be like, all right, now I want to stay here. Had a couple injuries, um, very unfortunate. And the battle back was, you know, probably some of my greatest times. You know, the journey is always better than the actual, you know, mountaintop. Because once you get up there, you kind of want to go back down and climb it again. So I got to do that a couple of different times. And I, I look at that as an opportunity to, you know, really say, hey, that's that's what made me into who I am. And I appreciate it. I definitely wish I had 10 years in the big leagues and I didn't get hurt, but it, it's who I am. And hopefully I can pour into younger men or women that want to chase a dream and you know, say, hey, no matter what, you can keep going. Or you can say, oh, poor pitiful me. But I'd recommend to just keep going. The Rangers released him in May of 2016, and he was picked up by the St. Louis Cardinals two days later. The Cardinals' 40-man, stacked with catching great Yadier Molina, didn't need McHenry to catch, but rather as a roster boost to replace Matt Carpenter. 
McHenry played a duo of games with the Cardinals before being designated for assignment from the club. Days later, he was picked up by the Atlanta Braves on yet another minor league deal. He played 14 games with AAA's Gwinnett Stripers, compiling a 267 average through 45 at-bats. Then, he was on the move again to a very familiar landing option, the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, now a Milwaukee Brewers AAA affiliate. He picked up in August 2016 with the Sky Sox, itching for a promotion to the bigs one more time. At the time, $900,000 sat on the line if he got the call-up. But that moment never came. Four months later, he was back on the road, heading this time to join the Tampa Bay Rays organization. He signed a minor league contract and began his career in North Carolina with AAA's Durham Bulls. It was there, almost a full year later, that he decided to hang up his cleats for good. And then when I retired, I didn't realize I was going to deal with grief. I retired on my own terms. And I was like, man, I'm dealing with some ish right now. My wife's like, yeah, you're, you're grieving. I'm like, I'm grieving? About baseball? She's like, yeah, I think you're grieving. I'm like, maybe I am grieving. Because you lost this huge thing in your life. And you can't replace it like that. I mean, I jumped into AT&T and got on TV and did everything I could to stay busy. But it still didn't replace that time in the cage, that time in the weight room, you know, the camaraderie you create, all those things that you just don't realize you miss until you miss it. So, yeah, I think there's a big movement happening. I just hope they start really humanizing it and individualizing it because everybody's so different. He never intended to retire in the Rays organization. Nope, not at all. I I thought I was going to play the next year. I wanted to finish out that year. They, they kept kept me around for some reason. I wasn't necessarily playing well, um, but I was learning. Um, I really got close with the analytical department. Um, they gave me access to stuff that I really appreciate because I was older and I wanted to learn and they, they allowed that to be. So I enjoyed it. I get to catch some of the game's best prospects and they're now dominating in the big league. So looking back at it, it was really cool. I got to end as a champion, you know, we won the national championship. So it was a cool year. Uh, they called me grandpa, called him the Mickey Mouse Club. So we, we, we just had a good time. And I kind of knew my role as more of a coach than I was a player. But I enjoyed it. And then kind of went in the offseason, kind of open-minded. I had a couple teams I wanted to sign with. I didn't think they were going to call, and then they both called. So I had to make a decision. Now, part of the work he does is with athletes in slumps. He's attuned to trends in their plate appearances and can nearly anticipate what a batter or pitcher will do based on their approaches. He says that the easiest way to predict a player prone to major slumps is to chart his or her prior behavior. The type of contact given up um, and the, if you go on baseball savant, the, what they're swinging at or where they're throwing. So like if you see a guy missing big or swinging and missing big, or if you see a guy making weak contact and you see a guy, you know, kind of finding a lot of hard contact. Those are probably the two things that really jump out. Uh, they do the expected ERA and all that stuff, but I feel like that, you know, depending on your defense, you can kind of look at that a kind of a weird way. And I'll be interested to see how that changes with, with the shift kind of going away next year. So I would say, like, contact, hard contact is probably the biggest thing on both sides. If, if you get a guy that normally has swing and miss stuff and that's really down, that's a problem. If you have a guy that's going to throw strikes, 
he starts walking guys or getting behind the count, that's a huge problem. So, like, kind of both ways, what the pitcher's trying to do is get ahead, put him away. Hitter's trying to get get that leverage count and put some damage to him. So if that throttles either way, that's when you're going to start seeing it. And then the trend's the exact opposite. If you see a guy, man, he's 0 for his last 15, but you look back and say, holy shnikes, he's been hit the ball way above league average. He's been really living in that barrel range of, of contact, which I think of not barrels, but barrel range. So I think barrel range is more of a line drive hitter, hitting the ball really, really hard. So if he's just pounding the ball on the ground, hitting the ball hard, it's not the same as if he's like lining out. So kind of look at that. You know, is he chasing? No. Well, he's gotten some really tough calls. And then you start to see the trend coming. Like Brian Reynolds with us right now in the Pirates is struggling. And when he really struggles, he's going to swing and miss a lot. But when he starts taking and he starts taking his walks and slowing the game down, you know that trend's about to kick up. Well, guys on the opposite end of the spectrum, that they'll start panicking, to start swinging more, start trying to force things where if, if you're a pitcher, what are you going to do? You're going to expose that in some way. So just kind of watch the guys that actually are playing the game within the game. If you're an athlete trying to work through a slump or just a listener of this podcast hearing your feelings in Michael's words, today's sponsor can help you work all of that out. The stories I've told thus far on Closer Mentality have been the vulnerabilities of elite athletes. Nearly all of them have utilized either a sports psychologist or a therapist. Now I'm bringing that option to you, the listeners. If you've ever listened to a Closer Mentality episode like this and thought, I feel exactly the same way, I'm working with BetterHelp to bring online therapy to your phone and computer. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat options, and you can speak to a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp has more than 20,000 licensed therapists around the country, and you have access to them at any time. You can get thoughtful messages from your therapist, and if you aren't happy, it's free to change providers. If you're worried about the cost of traditional talk therapy, BetterHelp also plans for that. They offer financial aid if funding is the only thing standing between you and getting the help you need. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for all Closer Mentality listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash Closer Mentality. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Closer Mentality. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to Michael's story in episode 69 of Closer Mentality. I have a full itinerary of amazing stories for the month of June, and I can't wait to keep sharing them. In the meantime, you can follow Michael's work with athletes and his broadcasting journey with AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh on Twitter and Instagram at McHenry. While you're following Michael, go send at Closer Mental some love as well. You can see bonus podcast content from all of my guests. If you'd like to watch Michael and I's full interview, click the Closer Mentality Uncensored link down in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning into Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellett. See you next week.